dear friends, we are happy to see you at live conversation on Alatra TV India. This is a creative society project, a global project of Alatra International Public Movement. And we continue meeting interesting people to get to get know how they envision the society where everyone on the earth lives safely, comfortably, and prosperously. So together, as whole humanity, we can see our common goal. You may find more information of the project on alatrainites.com. So my name is Olga, and my co-host for today is Carolina, and she will introduce our special guest. Hello, Carolina. Hello, Olga. Thank you very much. I'm very happy to introduce our today's guest, who is Falit uh, Sigeria founder president of Pseudometrics and Diplometron, social activist, political analyst, climate activist, educationist, and entrepreneur. So it's a really big list. And uh, please, Fallet, could you tell us what you are currently involved in? What, what do you do at the moment? What kind of activity do you develop the most? Please, your microphone. Uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. So, first of all, I would like to thank Alatra Unites International Project uh, for giving me this platform, specifically Miss Olga, Miss Carolina, and Miss Anna, who's kind uh, of not like, Thanks a lot to all of them for collectively providing uh, me this opportunity to amplify my voice and uh, let it reach uh, scores and scores of people to this platform. Uh, so, like, uh, as the question says, what exactly am I currently involved in? Uh, what my current involvement in, uh, basically, is about pseudometrics. So, uh, a pseudometrics, if you want to uh, look at what I'm currently involved in, you need to basically look at the problems as such that I see in a society. Because my project, what I'm doing, is related to solutions. And every solution, basically, comes forward from a problem. A problem that Alatra itself also uh, quite aptly recognizes in its uh, foundations. Uh, as if the foundation six, that is the development of personality or basically providing educational equality. So uh, when we look around the world, we see that there's a stark uh, sense of disengagement and a gap between how education is available to people uh, based on where they are born, of their race, their religion, their monetary aspect, how much amount of money that they have and uh, which country they are born, which city they are born in. And is it an urban center or a rural center? What amount of power do they, like, systematically their families, their lineages have? And all, it, uh, all, it all basically ends up on excellence of birth. So uh, where you are born. It all, all ends up where you are born, uh, your access to education. That itself is a problem, as we recognize, as Alatra recognizes, that this is a problem in society. Because all human lives are equal and the amount of freedom and access to resources that should be provided to one should uh, be equally provided to everyone. And uh, with this comes in the prospect of how to solve the problems. You can continuously and and, and crib about the problems, but if you're not doing anything to solve those problems, you're exactly a part of the problem itself. And that is where Studometrics starts. So uh, Studometrics basically is a voluntary congregation of organization of students who are basically working and uh, uh, providing opportunities to each other. So it basically uh, delves upon basically dividing students into three conceptual categories, 
uh, category A, the students who have ideas, who have plans, who want to maybe do something for the environment, something for uh, feminism and uh, women's rights, or maybe something to basically uh, some kind of campaign or some competition or some workshop to enhance their skills and other prospects. But what they basically lack is people uh, who would work with them. They basically lack resources. They basically lack experience. So imagine a person who is like born in a tire to a tire three city in India, Ukraine, Russia, and that's it. So anyway, else, or maybe uh, for that matter, even Africa. And what they basically lack is uh, that they do not have resources. So like, uh, imagine I'm a person who is in some tire three city or a village and I have a plan. I want to do something. I have ambitions. I have ideas. But like, I don't have anyone. I, I don't have resources. I don't have people to work with me. I don't have uh, uh, the effort, the backing of the society. The resources that they have, if I want to invite someone to come to my village, to my city, to deliver a lecture, to basically conduct a workshop, no one would basically come or uh, help me on the call of one single person such as me who has no credibility, no experience. There is category two of people who have uh, their talents and skills are basically in aspects of management, uh, uh, management and organizing different uh, things. These can be maybe into website development or human resource management or maybe public relations, conducting interviews, content designing or uh, different other opportunities that basically should be available to students as a form of opportunity. Uh, uh, and, but they, they're not present. So like if they want opportunity, they cannot get some uh, uh, any of these opportunities in their own hometown uh, because the society doesn't trust them with the works because there are not enough competitions, not enough workshops or not enough things happening and they want to contribute in them, but they do not have the opportunity to do the same. And the third category is those whose skills, ideas and talents are in the fields which are uh, basically not involved in management. So maybe someone wants to study more and more about international relations or for that matter, go into acting or journalism or something like that, uh, or maybe research into biology or physics. But what they basically lack is that their society does not transmit them to uh, allow them to go beyond their curriculum. They do not have opportunities or someone is into music and they want competitions to participate into, but they do not have uh, uh, this competition being taking place in their city. And this, so this is systematically locked. Those who overcome these are the ones with the amount of riches, uh, those with the amount of having money who can travel to different cities. The ordinary student, they just laugh. And that basically reflects in their CV, which then reflects into the admission into undergraduate courses which then uh, are transferred into postgraduate courses and their success in, uh, altogether in life, which we can see is basically all dependent on where they are born and unequal distribution of resources and education. So uh, student metrics goes forward by conceptually bringing all these three kinds of students together on a platform where uh, the ones who have ideas and innovations can pitch them to the people who want to work and gain experience. Uh, these category A and category two students, they come, uh, they come together, organize different things, events, workshops, and everything sort of things which the category three students benefit from and because the students are united people support them people give them opportunities and then the people who have already done that maybe from other cities they guide the students to how to implement these things and because these organized students now have a name called pseudometrics they get opportunities and this has been transpiring as you see, there have been wonderfully schools across the country uh, uh, who earlier might not have this, uh, who earlier did not allow students to do anything. They have made all their students a member of Pseudometrics and given students permission to invite any speaker, to conduct any competition, to conduct any campaign uh, so far as they wish in a, a very judicious manner. And the schools are even ready to fund them financially because they see potential in them and because they see a guarantee. And because of this organization, we have been able to reach over 25,000 students across the country uh, who have been involved in these projects, over 150 cities, 
and been able to even invite uh, central ministers from the government of india uh, recognizing how big a country india is we've been able to invite them to a platform we have been able to invite olympic medalists uh, we have been uh, able to invite uh, as we were all talking on linkedin the asia pacific business development head of linkedin and these different personalities a lot of these are able to come because they recognize the potential that lies in the organization of school students and that exactly is what i'm involved in bridging the gap between those with resources and those who don't have resources yeah thank you so much it's like wow <laughs> i was read you know about your biography and uh, when i met you now and it's your drive in the life and uh, you know i am proud because we have this kind of teenagers who like how you said before we united we can you know and thank you so much for your opinion and uh, more than one year ago we had an international online conference where people voiced uh, the consumer based uh, format of development of our society bringing to us uh, to the uh, dead end and my question uh, how do you see uh, such a creative development of society what is your um, envision of creative society okay uh, sure uh, thanks a lot for this question and this information that we have right over here that we had a conference la uh, last year uh, which latra conducted that that is a very very good step in my view uh, to basically point out the root cause of the problem the root cause of the problem lies in the essence when you consumerize education itself consume uh, education is a basic need and when you consumerize education what uh, uh, so let's uh, for that matter let's basically go into the depth of economics how economics works so uh, uh, the entire market of a capitalist economy or a consumerist economy is based on the interplay of uh, demand and supply forces now what exactly is demand uh, when you go to the definition of demand demand is exactly something that people are willing and able to pay for and that exactly creates the difference people are willing to get quality education but they are not able to pay for quality education and that is the root cause of the consumerist society that basically puts basic needs such as education on which the entire uh, system of consumerism even uh, uh, further delves upon on the ability of the person to pay so what what would be a person uh, an often person able to pay or someone who is left on the road or maybe someone who is born in a poor family whose family is a rag picker what would they able to pay for education for quality education what exactly is results in that the people who already have huge amounts of wealth their sons uh, uh, their daughters they they get education in the best of institutions and that further transcends and develops and broadens the gap between people with resources and without resources it just gets wide enough there's nothing to stop it and the cycle would continue going on and on and on until you realize that the problem is the root cause of consumerism uh, in education itself in basic needs is you, uh, if you are going into consumerism you are creating the divide unless and until there are positive efforts efforts such as mine that what we are doing are uh, something that we as a person as uh, on a personal level can do but the broader aspect of change has to come from the state itself what we can do is uh, put in our efforts to uh, bridge that gap but the broader aspect uh, there needs to be a correction in the system which uh, we can demand for which we can raise for with our representatives uh, uh, in the government but we as students cannot basically do ourselves the change uh, 
So uh, what I see, as you asked me, like what is my uh, vision of a creative society? Something that provides opportunity to people is that uh, uh, the basic, uh, the basic fundamentals of education that should uh, uh, be more or less dependent on the needs of people. So. The, uh, if you look at the uh, major institutions of education, institutions of eminence, or even the entire education system, it should be based on such aspect uh, uh, that the people who are applying to the colleges are selected on the basis of merit. And second, the fees or the amount of uh, money that is charged on them should be entirely based upon their family's income and not, uh, uh, not upon like what amount of quality are providing. Otherwise, what happens is like uh, uh, institutions with best infrastructure, best faculty goes to ones who can pay higher because they obviously have high fees, which the poor cannot afford. So educational institutions should, uh, in essence, be equal uh, with the amount of their infrastructure, their faculty, and uh, their opportunities that they provide to students. And the amount of fees and the uh, cost they uh, have on students should be dependent upon the income of the families. And uh, now, uh, okay, and this this might look uh, to some people that this might be a wholesome solution to it, that's to, uh, that people are able to be now pay fees uh, on the basis of their needs. But what this currently ignores is the fact that even when people from uh, uh, people from the poorer segments they get in, uh, they get into institutions such as these, uh, who have people from a, a richer segment, there are other social costs that come into play. So, like the rich, they are basically engaging in a lot of things. Uh, they are participating in different conferences. Uh, they have the best of resources. They best have the best of laptops. They have the best of opportunities to hang out. Best of uh, amount of resources to travel to different places for internships, the best of connections, while the poor just lags behind. So besides being uh, uh, there being this uh, kind of opportunity to them in kind of the fees, uh, there also needs to be a relative advantage in the terms of calculation of merit that is granted to people in the uh, terms of admission based on their socioeconomic status. So I'm basically terming, uh, uh, taking these two very important things, social and economic. These are two very, very important things on which uh, the criteria of admission has to depend upon. The social status of the person, what social strata they belong to, maybe religious minorities or maybe racial minorities, someone who have been oppressed for, uh, or maybe the caste inequalities in India, who have been oppressed for a long time, they should be uh, uh, given a higher merit. The people who are from economic, uh, economically weaker segments, who didn't have the opportunities, who didn't have the CVs, so obviously their economic uh, uh, deficiency did result in their lack of uh, getting a better CV in comparison to someone who could just simply uh, uh, go and register for some organization who even required five, ten, or uh, $15,000 at the registration for the internship, internship that they are paying for. And they can get by paying even bribes, they can get the best of internships. There's a systematic differentiation in the CVs that people have. And everything then percolates into their uh, undergraduate and their admissions. There has to be a relative advantage given to those with uh, from the underprivileged session, social and economical, and uh, uh, also support from the government, uh, maybe even in monetary terms that they are given scholarships more and more, that they are able uh, to basically utilize their limited resources, come out of the inferiority complex that they have developed throughout life, and over a period of time, this uh, equalization of resources and education reaches the school segments itself. So that at the base itself, there is no differentiation among people. And that is what you basically see uh, across the country, like uh, not even just the country, across the world. People from richer families, they have lineages, their relatives are in the positions of power. They also uh, they also have a lot of connections. Their parents have a lot of connections. And these connections help them reach different places. And that's how it, the entire circle works. And those without connections, they just fail. There might be exceptional cases uh, for that matter, you might say that Bill Gates big, big, or uh, for that matter, Sergey Brin and Larry Page made uh, something uh, big out of themselves of the consumerist society. 
but then these are exceptions you can't just base your entire conception of society on if 0.00001% of people are succeeding it has to be from the base something that benefits the majority yeah yeah uh, i i see that you your um your vision of creative society and education of in creative society equality of resources equality of the resource itself the education is a resource for everyone uh, and easily um, accessible to all the people uh, i see that you your vision is quite clear and thank you for mentioning the foundations of creative society the equality and the personal development and actually you answered my question how do you envision education in creative society so please olga can you introduce maybe a video about eight foundations because there are eight of them yes <laughs> um Uh, the video is from the Global International Online Conference. Uh, it's the last one, Creative Society, What the Prophets uh, Dreamed of. And I would like to ask our technical support to show this video about the Aid Foundation and how they were formed. Let's watch the video about the Aid Foundation of the Creative Society. The biggest social polling in our entire history of civilization has been conducted during the last 10 years by people around the world. 180 countries, millions of people of different social statuses, denominations, nationalities talk about the society in which they want to live in. And this is a creative society based on the answers of the people from around the world, eight foundations of creative society were established. A society where all people can live in happiness, peace, and prosperity. This is that very society that our prophets bequeathed to us. All prophets talk about the value of life, freedom, honesty, common human values, equality before God, mutual respect, and unification of people about love for each other. They talked about the common truth and about the world which we can create. The prophet said, there will be a time when we're able to build a creative society. We are honored to live in the time which the prophets talked about. When everyone is chosen. Yes. I really like this video <laughs> because everyone is chosen. We all are actually chosen and we have a wonderful opportunity to live in this era of wonderful technologies that make, make it possible for us to unite that you're very active in many areas. You have your own vision of equal society, of creative society. What do you think? How important is it for us as the whole humanity to have a common goal, to have a common vision, 
positive vision, that goal which unites us? Uh, sure. Uh, may I take an answer? Hello. Yeah. Uh, so, like, uh, think about how important it is for us to have common vision of society in which a direction we are striving to be. So that that becomes very very important to realize uh, that the vision that we are working upon, how we visualize society as a whole to develop a future. The things uh, that working of positive visualization, of idealization, of uh, modeling the society in a certain way, as we see, like we had eight different foundations on which we want the society to be. And uh, foundations uh, or the idea of how society has to be has over the course of millennia and centuries been uh, uh, the question on which there have been the largest of conflicts. There have been conflicts uh, between, as we saw in the past, the Cold War happened uh, between the Soviet section, the, uh, the Western capitalist section about how to visualize society. Then there were uh, uh, different conceptualization by different philosophers, different theorists. We have seen the Marxian theory, uh, uh, Marx and Engels uh, coming forward with the Communist Manifesto. We have seen different other writers. We have seen Locke, Rousseau. Before that, we had Aristotle and others putting forward with their uh, view of how they visualize the society, how they model the society, and something that has been a part of the uh, conflict for long. So even today, if you try to conceptualize society, it's not that uh, uh, we have one particular concept that we can think of to build. Uh, uh, so like even in today's world, we see different conflicts happening in different areas. We saw uh, uh, what happened uh, in Europe, we saw what happened in South America, Venezuela, uh, how there are different conceptions of society being going on. There's current uh, uh, ongoing conflict between how China visualizes society, how the United States visualizes its society. Uh, like considering my uh, uh, interest in international relations, I'm uh, like kind of forced to use these uh, examples as I relate to them a lot. How we uh, see the basic question is about how we ideally see the society. And the problem with uh, most of the society, uh, uh, most of the visualizations, is that they are very hard stuck or hardline on where they want to be, how they see the society to be, and are very, very particular about this. What is different about uh, the Alatra's, uh, Alatra's method of uh, basically viewing society is it sees society with its foundations. So you see over there that there are eight foundations which uh, uh, basically should be uh, uh, something that people cannot contradict with, but even if they do, so like most of these goals are something that people would not say that these are wrong. Most of the people who might be on the other side of the fence uh, uh, might basically say that uh, these are the things that might be not uh, achievable or something that is not realistic. But then there the point comes that we need to make these things achievable unless we, and until we have an ideal that we are striving towards, we won't be able to reach something. If we just keep on thinking that uh, this is not possible, this is not possible, this is not possible, unless and until we aim at 100, we would not be able to reach at 90. If we just think about that 100 is unrealistic, let's, let's just aim at 90, what you might finally reach at is just 70 or 80. Or even you might stop at 50 because you do not have a target that you're striving for. And that is what is basic over here. We're thinking about foundations, the foundations which can then be uh, uh, put forward and uh, be kind of molded in different societies and uh, different communities in different formats uh, where you can have various... Uh, nitty gritty, you, you can have different versions of the nitty gritties and the particulars, but the foundations remain strong. And that is uh, what uh, I visualize the society as. 
like a creative society that has to be future in future needs to be grounded in its foundations and yet be accessible to change be adaptable be open to the particulars of how uh, uh, you are basically allowing people to uh, kind of meddle like how you are pe uh, allowing people to uh, modulate different kind of situations how you are basically uh, facilitating change or uh, how you are dealing with different situation you are being uh, based and grounded in the realities and having foundations that are strong in the concept of ideals and yet being flexible in terms of in, uh, interpretation and implementation uh, as the problems come and that is how i visualize creative society something that is strict and flexible at the same time it doesn't uh, basically compromise on its ideals but it also not steadfast on the particulars of its implementation and that is how you would run society because there are different communities with different histories and that is how only i visualize a common foundation of society being taking place yeah thank you i like your envision about creative society thank you so much and uh, tell me please how it's important uh, to create such conditions so that everyone will be able to get high quality education regardless of social status or place of living so that everyone can develop his or her best qualities or and talents how it's important uh see according to me that is something of prime importance very very prime importance that education is equally available to all and that uh, uh, the the importance of it flows from the fact that when you look at uh, how different societies function how the entire system functions how society progresses everything is uh, uh, in the independent upon education and now every person has their own uh, prospect and ability if you educate one person there's the saying uh, uh, that if you basically uh, give someone a fish for a day you feed them for a day but if you basically teach them how to fish you feed them for life similarly uh, uh, most of the social security measures or different other measures that different government have with regard to providing necessities to the poor they are uh, uh, like they're important but they're superficial in the long term they're important in the short term to provide access to people but they're superficial uh, in the long term because they continuously have a burden on the government and that they need to follow through because you cannot just go forward and just withdraw from a responsibility because that's a responsibility the better format is to educate people and uh, this is very important fact like once you educate a, a person educate a family the next generation is more or less very accustomed to get educated themselves there is a very less chance that a person who is educated their family uh, or the next generation their uh, propensity would not be educated uh, so this is easy but then uh, it is very much neglected by the governments across the world. uh if you look at it so like in india there are different schemes being formulated uh if you talk about india and other uh, certain other even african countries or south asian or uh, asiatic societies there's this stark discrimination that lies between uh, the education of girl and a uh, girl and boys this is this discrimination about how people uh, how ch uh, children are be being discriminated based upon gender and then societies uh, or like governments in india they've been taking steps such as beti bachao beti padhao which uh, i have translated for you means uh, to educate uh, to save your daughter into educated daughter save in the sense that there have been uh, uh, there's a widespread case of female infanticide and feticide also existing in india Uh, because of which the uh, rate of the sex ratio in india was also uh, highly screwed around 900 to 1000 in uh, favor of men mm -hmm. because of certain activities and for the past 5 6 years we've been uh, seeing different uh, 
explorations and implementations to save women so uh, there's this uh, scheme called beti bachao beti padhao where you try to basically uh, bring awareness about first saving girls and then educating them because uh, unless and until you educate people what you uh, are doing is cutting the growth of the society because those who are uh, even if you are educating 100 people now uh, there's a strong chance that they would be their productivity rises first point is when you educate people their productivity rises the level and the standard of living of society of any society basically depend on the productivity of people how much they are able to produce and i'm i'm basically saying this from a consumerist point of view if you take even from the consumerist point of view uh, like uh, if the, the consumerist say that it's difficult to move to a society which provides basic needs even from a consumerist point of view the uh, the standards of living of people they are dependent upon the uh, productivity of people how much is the per capita production the per capita production obviously rises by uh, uh, how much education is there how much uh, innovation is there how much different uh, uh, kind of uh, systems are being developed how much discoveries and uh, inventions are taking place in the country all of this is uh, this is directly proportional to the amount and quality of education that you are providing to students because yeah. uh, you cannot uh, and that is what that basically percolates into how uh, high the society grows how high uh, the system itself grows and that uh, can be seen in the amount of boom that we have seen uh, with the amount of inventions and progress in the later uh, in the recent past that's uh, directly proportional to how many how many people we educate and then uh, providing them opportunity to uh, kind of utilize their education and uh, giving them with the resources and thus uh, educating and making education the basic right of people is the standard form that would basically uh, percolate and into the highest segments and change the uh, landscape of the society as a well. yeah yeah definitely uh it is education is very very important and also uh, you know um valuing human's life if we value human's life then also the education is adjusted to that value and should be adjusted actually to that value uh showing that we are all humans that we are all people we should respect each other and if we talk about the first foundation of creative society as the very basis of this creative format we talk about human with capital h you know um do you have maybe some connotations and how do you feel that what is what is real human for you actually uh may i yeah yeah uh, so how we view as a human and the importance of a human life uh how, this how- is something what is what is your what is how do you feel it how do you um how do you um value human or how to say uh, what is who is a real human for you mm-hmm. uh sure like uh, for me i i basically done this conception so like uh, that the people uh, as a species or uh, how we are uh, as a species as a human uh, uh, the amount of the value of human life is very paramount uh, so like i view that uh, humans like you uh, if, i'll just paraphrase the question uh, can you just please like paraphrase the question once more like i'm not able to get it yes yes um if we talk about the first foundation human life we talk about human with capital h with capital letter as a human um humanic and uh, with that let's say human humane attitude to other to other people with respect to other people and the question is actually who is a real human for you what what, what maybe if i paraphrase then um what is the real value of human for you 
Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. Like uh, you're asking me the real value thing. Yeah. So, so the basic uh, uh, and the real value of being a human is how you treat other humans, how you uh, uh, basically value the emotions of others. And that exactly is how, how you build upon that concept. Uh, so uh, in the past, there were different uh, philosophers or theorists who saw uh, human life as uh, humans, not as something very different from animals. They uh, uh, basically kind of contrasted people or uh, kind of put them in the same categories as animals. There have been conceptions like that, as you uh, uh, saw Jeremy Bentham in utilitarianism, how he is ready to basically uh, put forward and curtail the freedoms and access of resources to uh, of uh, very uh, like the minorities and people for the greater benefit of others. This is uh, an actual contravention of how I view humans. Uh, human Being a human uh, and the values it symbolizes is uh, directly related to how you view and treat other humans. It has to be uh, something of a sense of equality in uh, how we treat each other, uh, the values that we embody. When if, if we are not able to feel the pain of uh, our own people, our own men and women who uh, basically reside in our countries and other countries and just see them as enemies or ourselves as different from us, then what we are basically doing is something that I would, uh, in my terms, uh, term as inhumane. For uh, being a human truly embodies that we accept ourselves as one and equal. And only when we are able to treat our fellow human beings as equal, then uh, we uh, can call ourselves truly human in that sense. Otherwise, there's no distinction between the human society and the animals, as uh, we might be, just as Darwin said, the survival of the fittest, only the fittest might survive. But that is very different from how we humans view ourselves, how humans must view ourselves. We are uh, uh, basically a race or uh, not uh, a race, basically a species, which uh, basically is So we as a community see ourselves, even the ones who do not have resources, are not the fittest ones, should get the benefit, should be treated equally. There should be no discrimination. There should be no differentiation on how we see ourselves as human. There's this growing uh, thrust of nationalism where people see themselves as part of one nation and people of different nations differently. And this is uh, how basically we need to. Uh, yeah. Uh, am I audible? Yes, 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 yes. Hello. And yes, I'm yes. As well? Yes, you good. Thank you so much. Yes, how you say it? Yes, uh, human must treat another person with respect, uh, with um, love and. Uh, is huge kind and thank you so much for your opinion and uh, now uh, I would like to show an interesting cartoon from the global online conference creative society united we can as a cartoon about islands so technical support please show us aliens came to earth at first they flew around it so everything and then decided to talk to the people on earth they asked why do you have so much garbage and garbage cans well this is because we don't have enough money to build waste processing plants but why do you have so many hungry and homeless people well this is because we don't have enough money to feed them and build houses for them but why are you constantly at war with each other? 
This is because we don't have enough money and we're trying to take it away from others. The aliens scratched their heads and said, We fly around galaxies, have explored many worlds and planets, but have never met such a rare and, as it turns out, such a very necessary resource as money. Could you show us what it looks like and show where you get it in space? Then we will try to get it, bring you more of this money and help you establish harmony on your planet. We don't fly anywhere to get money, the Earthlings answer. We print it ourselves. Yourselves? said the aliens. Yes. After this answer, Earthlings were deleted from the list of intelligent beings. Yes, I love this cartoon. It's so true about money, about our consumer format, way we're living now. Yes, where is um, money is number one, not about humanity and about respect. It's not about kindness. It's just how much you have money in your pocket. And so... Um, okay, I'm very, very happy with Fala Tijaria from Pseudometrics and a very, very active student, very, very mm, let's say, aware of how much we as a whole global human society need the change from the consumerist form and format to, let's say, the humane one. And as we see with the video, a very good example, how um, paradoxical is actually and how, let's say, mm, the consumerist format is actually not able to solve the problems that we uh, actually face in nowadays world and how much we need to the change to the creative one. Falit, can you hear us? Maybe we will watch our yeah. for humanity. The song was uh, created by our volunteers um 99% uh, it's like was created by our volunteers and was right uh, was wrote a song and uh, videos for our volunteers i want to ask please technical support show our present for our viewers and for, for our guests and for Falit. <laughs>
going on We are sighted and awake Now we know what is the truth And we know what's fake We are more than 99% Dream of peace and love In pure, united, happy world We friendship and respect among All humans, it is what they talk We want to build a better world Where all of us are fully safe Where nobody has ever heard We meet with joyful every Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's the anthem of the whole humanity. Thank you very much, Falet Sejaria, for our beautiful, enriching conversation today. Very inspiring one. Thank you for what you're doing, for being a human. And is there something what uh, you would like to wish to our viewers, maybe? Sure, ma'am. First of all, I would like to apologize for all the internet connective issues uh, issues that happened at my end, uh, which in the end also uh, kind of put forward and show how we basically differentiate in resources. People uh, such as us who do not uh, have such resources to basically have better internet connectivity, pay for uh, the high-speed data, and have very limited accessibility to these things, we generally suffer in the mode of communication. Well, and that divide has generally grown in the uh, uh, lockdown and the coronavirus. So as I uh, like leave and I would uh, really like to thank you, uh, Ms. Olga, Ms. Carlina, and uh, the one who's uh, always taking care of the technical uh, aspect and the live streaming for this wonderful session, for providing me this opportunity specifically to raise my voice uh, on these issues. And I highly empathize with the uh, agendas, the foundations of the creative society that have been put forward with the Alatra uh, United Project. Specifically, I, I really like the video uh, which in the end came and which also kind of resonated with the ideas that I have been propagating. Though uh, you said that you are just 99%. I, I believe that you're 99.999%. We are much more than just 99%. The ones who have the resources are just much, much less than that. But uh, uh, still, I wish uh, really great luck to Latin United Project for uh, the aim that they envision to achieve for the, uh, for the work that you are all doing. Uh, specifically, I would also suggest and uh, recommend few of my friends whom I sincerely believe can be a great asset to the organization and uh, in propagating the idea of creative society. And to all the viewers, a very sincere message. Please remember, be a human first before uh, uh, you fit into any other role that you see yourself in. Being a human furthermore, empathizing with the people 
who uh, lack resources, who are being discriminated against, who uh, uh, are a victim of this system of the consumer society. Please empathize with them. Please be uh, someone to help them. Raise your voices. And together, uh, uh, I hope, and uh, we would be able to someday recognize the foundations of Alatra United Project. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you very much, Palit. Is there someone who would like to, who would you like to uh, invite for another interview? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, yes. They're, they're, uh, sincerely, I, uh, a few of my friends, and I would definitely recommend their names to you, Ms. Kalina. Uh, as we've been connected over LinkedIn. And I also would like to thank uh, Path, who did recommend my name for this path, but he's, he's a wonderful fellow and he's been doing a really great work. So uh, hoping to see him uh, on Alatra's uh, platform once he turns 18, uh, <laughs> since he's like pretty young and he's been very, very active uh, for that sense. And uh, rest, I would definitely suggest to few of my friends. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Part. And I do hope that my network is uh, correct right now as it was in the beginning after the uh, glitch in the beginning. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you, Thank you so much. Thank you.